It's wonderful to see you all this morning. If you'd like to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Good looking bunch this morning. If you're wondering how I'm doing after the football loss, the basketball win helped, helped a lot. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, it says in your word, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Lord, we continue to pray for our nation in these divided times. Lord, I continue to pray for this church, that with so much disunity and division as we have in our world, that we would be a people whose light shines. I pray that we be living testimonies to your goodness and grace. Lord, let us stand out from the rest of the world and society by our love that we have for one another and for you and for all of your children in our world. Lord, as we are called in your word to pray for our leaders and as we do regularly, we pray for those who lead our community, our state, and our nation. For all of those who are in positions of government, Lord, we pray for revival and that they be people who know you and fear you and seek to honor you. Lord, we pray for Mayor Chad and the role that he has in leading our wonderful community. We pray for Governor Pritzker and the job that he has in leading our great state. Lord, we pray for President Trump as his term comes to an end this week. Lord, we pray for safety in the Capitol this week as we transition presidents, Lord, and we thank you and praise you that that is a cherished tradition in America. And Lord, we do pray for President-elect Biden as he seeks and prepares to become president. Lord, we pray for wisdom, godly wisdom, and discernment in leading in our nation. Lord, we bring these specific prayers on behalf of people from our church. Lord, we continue to pray for Wendell and his recovery, and Aldine and her recovery. And Lord, for both of them, we thank you that they're back home this morning. Lord, we just pray for both of them day by day to be getting stronger, feeling better. Lord, we want to pray for Roy and the issue that he's had with this ringing in his ear. Lord, I'm sure it's unimaginably frustrating. Lord, we pray for that to heal. 
Lord, we pray for him. Lord, I also want to pray for Jackie Bauer and Sherry Shields on the loss of their brother this week. Lord, it says in your word that you are near to the brokenhearted. And Lord, we pray for your comfort for them. Lord, we pray for those who serve and protect our nation and our military. We pray for our first responders, for our law enforcement officers and firefighters and paramedics. Lord, we pray for our time as we study in your word this morning. And Lord, we pray that it can point us to you. Lord, we pray that we can be encouraged to serve you and to make you known throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're concluding our New Year's series this morning. And starting the year off by talking about some of the important aspects of our faith. Two weeks ago, we talked about personal holiness. Last week, we talked about unity as a church. And today, we're talking about the subject of evangelism and reaching people with the good news of the gospel. And much of what I want to say today, I'm indebted to a book uh, by a man named Sam Chan. It's called How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. Evangelism is something which all Christians are called to do, to share the good news. But it's so often such a challenge. They can feel awkward and uncomfortable. We can feel unprepared. And if a conversation doesn't go well, it can be discouraging and make us not want to try again. And those are all legitimate concerns. But it's still something that we're called to do. Jesus gave the great commission to his disciples where he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Christians are called upon to share the gospel with the world. Can that be difficult? Yes. But again, that doesn't mean that we get a pass. Because in being disciples of Christ, we're called to take up our cross and follow him. We're called to serve him. We're called to love him. And in loving him, to also love God's children. And so the main idea and challenge that I want to get across today is the idea that evangelism is meant to be a way of life. And I want to have a laser focus on a couple of ideas from this passage. And that's why we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's one of my favorite passages on the subject of reaching people with the gospel. I love the heart that we see from the Apostle Paul in this section. Where he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though myself not being under the law. Then I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Then I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. All things to all people for the sake of the gospel. That is a life 
and a heart that is dedicated to evangelism and reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And again, there's a lot that can be said about this passage. But I just want to focus on a couple aspects of evangelism from Paul that we see in this section. First, that it's relational. Second, that his approach is practical. It's relational, going back to the first three verses of this passage. Paul talks about his relationships with different types of people. He says, to the Jews he became as a Jew. That doesn't mean that he threw out the gospel or the message of Christ. Being all things to all people does not mean that we compromise on the gospel or on truth. But in his situation, at times during his missions and ministry, he was around practicing Jews. And so he kept elements of the law, such as the Jewish diet, when he was around them. Because he didn't want to hurt the relationship because of that. In the book of Acts, Timothy is traveling with Paul. Timothy had not had a Jewish background like Paul did. And they actually have Timothy get circumcised. That certainly means all things to all people. Did they have to do those things? No. But it was worth doing it for the sake of the gospel and building relationships with people. When Paul was with Gentile audiences, non-Jews, he did not concern himself with following those aspects of the Old Testament law that were no longer in force. All things to all people. That doesn't mean we sin. That does not mean that we sin. We're still called to pursue holiness. But it's about becoming a servant of God to be used for his purposes. And in this passage, Paul actually uses servant and slave language at the beginning. And he's putting himself under the authority of God out of gratitude for the grace of God. Again, we're not in Paul's exact same situation today. But the main takeaway to focus on from these verses is the relational nature of Paul's ministry to people. How can we minister to the person who's maybe been hurt by the church in their background? Or who feels like they've really been burned by church? They might, they might even know the Bible really well. But perhaps what they really need is grace and authenticity. How can we minister to a person who doesn't feel worthy of grace? Maybe they've lived a rough life. Maybe they're ashamed of decisions that they've made or the life that they're currently living today. Maybe they've been beaten down by life and have low self-worth and self-esteem. We can show that we care about that person. We can show them love and communicate God's infinitely greater love. How can we minister to the person who we've talked to before about faith and they never seem to want to do anything, have anything to do with it? We can be faithful in being there for them. We can continue to pray for them. One of the ideas I really appreciate in Sam Chan's book is he talks about this idea of being a chaplain for your non-Christian friends. Life is hard. 
This past year has certainly been rough. People have personal issues, professional issues, family issues. And sometimes we might have friends or people in our lives who don't really have many genuine Christians who they know. In the times of crisis, we have an opportunity to step into the suffering with them, to walk with them, to pray for them and with them, to be Christ to that person. How can we minister to the person who disagrees with us? Disagreements very strong in our world. There's so much division over politics, over COVID, over social issues. Relationships and friendships have been destroyed over these issues, over these areas of disagreement. We should be gracious in our disagreements. We should commit to not being people who let disagreements come between friendships and relationships. All of those issues matter, but none of those issues is what brings salvation. It is only the gospel which does that. And Christians should not be people who elevate non-gospel issues to that level of importance. It's difficult to build relationships with a person in order to evangelize them. If we make non-gospel issues hills worth dying on. We have to accept people. That doesn't mean we have to agree with people. But it's important to be intentionally relational. It's important to remember with evangelism that Jesus accepted us where we were. As we are. And I think Christians too often make the mistake of wanting to save a person from behavior. I think we can get preoccupied with sins and lose sight of the fact that even if a person turns away from their sin, but does not have the gospel, they're still dead in their sins. It is the gospel that people need more than anything. As I say all of this, I should also say that my point is not that we should be disingenuous in our friendships. We should enjoy our friends and family and the people in our lives and appreciate their friendship in and of itself. But for anyone in our lives who is not a Christian, we should also care about seeing them come to Christ. So we've said that evangelism is relational. Evangelism is also practical. What do I mean? We see it in the passage. We see how Paul's approach to evangelism is practical when he says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. He becomes all things to all people so some can be saved. We don't have to save the world. But if we're not careful, it can be really easy to look around and realize that we don't even have one person in our life that we're working to share the gospel with. 
Paul had an evangelistic lifestyle in the hope that some would be saved. That's all we can do. We can't control the results, but we can control how faithful we are. We become all things to all people so that by all means we might save some. Last year, I preached a sermon on the subject of evangelism, and I want to repeat one of the ideas I talked about last year. I get this from Randy Newman, who was my evangelism professor at Trinity. He wrote out the alphabet, A through Z. Z is a person coming to faith. A is a person who is as far from God as you can be. Ardent, atheist, hostile to the gospel, wants nothing to do with God or the things of God. Now, people who are unbelievers are at all sorts of different points on that scale. Some are very warm to the gospel. Some are indifferent. And as I said, some totally oppose Christianity. Now, if someone is really far removed from God, it's probably not going to be just one conversation with that person that seals the deal and leads them to Christ. Evangelism takes time. I think it's still so much a part of our cultural mentality and mindset about evangelism that I think we, our default image of evangelism is we think of Billy Graham and his crusades he had during his ministry. And certainly we should appreciate the millions of people that he preached the gospel to literally all over the world and the tremendous ways in which the Lord used that ministry. But at his crusades, you'd see him present the gospel and he'd ask people to come forward. And you'd see hundreds, maybe sometimes even thousands of people walking forward at these evangelistic crusades. Now, I think part of what was happening there is you had a lot of people who were W's and X's and Y's on this scale coming forward. People who were already pretty warm to the gospel. I'm not saying that there aren't crazy testimonies of somebody being militantly anti-gospel, getting saved by Billy Graham. I'm sure that happened. But it was people who had enough of an interest in Christianity to go in the first place to his crusades. So I think that says something to begin with about a person who's willing to go to an evangelistic rally. It's not like people didn't know what Billy Graham was all about. It's not like they thought they were going to a baseball game and it just got, you know, snuck upon them. Often people would be willing to go with their Christian friends to his rallies and crusades. Again, what I'm saying is that those were people who were probably further down the line and just needed that last push to come to faith. And there are people like that today. People who really are warm to Christianity. But today and in the past, there were also plenty of people who would never have gone to an event like that. Who would not set foot in a church or a Bible study. Who are not interested in hearing a 20-minute presentation about the gospel. And for those people, we must be relational. Moving them forward from A to Z. 
It takes time. And our goal for non-Christian friends and family must be to see them come to faith in Christ. Again, it doesn't happen all at once. It can be a long process. It can take years. And even then, there's no guarantee it'll happen with certain people. We don't control the results. We just control how faithful we are. And all of this is why I say it's a lifestyle. But it's one that we're called to live. We're to go out into the world and spread the good news of the gospel. Going to them. I read a story this week. This happened in the 1990s in Chicago that a young man named Chris Searcy was playing basketball with some of his friends. While they were playing, a group of three young men walked up and shot Chris Searcy. Seriously wounded, his friends helped carry him more than 100 yards to the nearest hospital. One of the friends ran into the hospital to try to get them to come out and attend to their friend who was seriously wounded and bleeding. The hospital refused. They said that they could not administer aid to someone outside the building. A police officer saw the situation and tried to get a gurney. The hospital told him no. Eventually, they were able to get a wheelchair to use to help bring the young man the rest of the way into the hospital. He died within a couple hours. The hospital would not tend to a dying man because he was outside their doors. We have a whole world of people who are dead in sin outside this building. They don't have to come in here to hear the gospel. We must go to them. As I close this morning, I want to just share a few of the reasons why evangelism can be so difficult for us. Sure, there are people where it seems to come more naturally. And I've had friends like that in my lifetime. That's not most people. And it's not me. But here are some of the reasons I've heard why people feel like evangelism is so difficult. First, I don't know enough. We can feel that way about our knowledge of the Bible, our knowledge of theology, our knowledge of objections people might have to Christianity. My first response to that is to remember that evangelism is a lifestyle. And people usually do not get converted from being not a Christian to a Christian in one and only one conversation. Especially if it's people we know personally. We can have other opportunities to talk to them. And so I think we put so much pressure that we have to know it all before we get started. No, we don't. And in fact, sometimes I think it's reasonable to be humble and say, that's a great question. I'd love to look more into that if we don't know the answer to something. Also, I think that can be a good reminder for us all to study our Bibles and theology better. But don't let the fact that you feel like you don't know enough be the reason not to start. Because if it is, that day will never come. Second, I don't, I don't want people to think I'm a weirdo. I want people to like me. If you're living a life of integrity, if you're living as a good witness to Christ, even if a person thinks what you believe is weird and totally wrong, they'll respect who you are as a person. 
Again, we can't be pushy. We can't force people to believe what we believe. But just be relational and opportunistic and prayerful and present for the people in your life. Third, I don't have any non-Christian friends. Make some. Fourth, I'm not good at it. Evangelism is a skill that can be developed. There are all sorts of great books on the subject. Here is something I've found to be helpful. I mentioned Shans because that's the most recent one that I read. Um, actually had the opportunity to talk to him about a week and a half ago uh, that I'll share at some point. Because evangelism is something I would like to talk about at different times throughout this year. Uh, there's plenty of great books on the subject of evangelism. Fifth, COVID. I can't evangelize because of COVID. We still interact with people. We still have phones. It's good to reach out and talk to people. COVID is a thing that has certainly brought a lot of loneliness to a society and world that was already increasingly lonely before we ever even heard of COVID or coronavirus. Again, we have the opportunity to build relationships with people, to know people. And none of those objections changes the fact that God calls us to spread his gospel. So I'm not trying to guilt or shame us into evangelism. And again, I'll be upfront that evangelism is not my greatest skill. I tend to be pretty reserved. But it's something that we should all commit to working on together as a church. Because it's everyone's job. It is everyone's job in the church to make Jesus known. Because we all know different people. We have a very churchy town. But that does not mean that everyone in our community knows Jesus. Most people in our town, if you ask them what church, even if they never go to church, probably have a church that they think of as their church. And I actually think that's a challenge in a small town. I forget if I've ever said this. I've thought it many times. When I lived in Chicago, Chicago has lots of people who aren't Christians who know that they're not Christians. My concern in a place where there's a lot of churches is that you have some people who aren't Christians who don't know that. There are plenty of people in Sista Park and in Paxton and in Loda and in the surrounding communities who do not know Jesus, who do not know the gospel, who do not know what faith is. Sometimes it can be as simple as asking questions about what people believe. I think there's a lot of Americans that if you ask them, what's the gospel? Their idea of the gospel is basically just works-based righteousness and being a good person. That is not at all the biblical gospel. The gospel is that we are sinners saved by grace. Freely given through the work of Christ on the cross. We have a job to do in reaching people. And so again, that's my encouragement for this year. For the times of COVID. And as we more and more come out of COVID, Lord willing, this year. And as life returns 
Lord willing, more and more to the old normal, my favorite type of normal, that we would be a church who's committed to a lifestyle of reaching people with the gospel. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Let us be a church where the laborers are many, because the harvest is still plentiful. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let us go into the harvest. May we pray for our community. May we pray for our relationships and opportunities to serve people. May we pray for opportunities to share the gospel and talk about Jesus. And may we be proactive in living lives to the glory of God, in seizing opportunities to talk about Jesus and to share the love of Christ. May we be intentional in conversations, sometimes going below the surface. Again, we know people, but it can be really easy, probably especially for men, to never really get below talking about the weather and sports. And I'm not saying that we can't talk about those things too. But if we want to reach people for the gospel, those things shouldn't be all that we talk about. May we be intentional in our conversations to sometimes go below the surface and talk about important spiritual matters. And may we continue to help seekers along in their own spiritual journey and help lead them to the foot of the cross. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we have a world that has trained us not to talk about faith. But that is the most important thing. And Lord, so may we be people who push ourselves outside of our comfort zones. May we be people who talk about Jesus. May we be people who invite and bring people to church who are willing. May we be people who support and encourage and pray for our non-Christian friends and family. Lord, and we pray that as we do that, that you would bless that harvest. In Jesus' name, amen.